Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Drive Home Podcast with me, Max Porter. Today, I'm going to be talking about the filibuster. Many do not know what this Senate minority method of blocking bills is, how it works, and the reasons for why it should be eliminated, reformed, or remain in its present form. To be a more engaged citizen of this country, it is vital to understand all the parts of how the government works, including the filibuster. In addition to informing you myself, I will be discussing the filibuster with Worcester Civics teacher Mrs. Herman and her class, which I am in when I am not the one doing the interviewing. All of that and much more, I hope you enjoy. The sources used for the research of this story include the New York Times, Senate.gov, Brookings.edu, Wikipedia, CNN, Ballotpedia, and YouTube. On January 13th, the House of Representatives passed a John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act and the Freedom to Vote Act. These bills would establish nationwide standards for ballot access and nullify many state bills that are interpreted by many as restricting access to voting. Specifically, the provisions in the legislation included a minimum period of 15 days for voters to cast ballots early and the opportunity for every American to request to vote by mail. The bills moved to the Senate to hopefully be passed. However, they were not approved. Republicans used the filibuster to prevent the bills moving from debate to a vote. This move re-sparked the debate on if the filibuster should be abolished, changed, or stay the same. But before talking about what should be done regarding the filibuster, we need to understand exactly what it is. The filibuster is a method used by the minority party in the Senate to prolong debate on a bill and delay or completely stop a vote from occurring. In the Senate, there is no time limit for how long debate on a bill is, contrary to the House, which does have a time limit. Because of this, it is a rule that 60 senators need to agree to end debate and hold a vote on the bill in what is known as invoking cloture. To pass a bill in a vote, a piece of legislation only needs 51 votes. Therefore, a supermajority is needed for a majority to pass legislation. With the razor-thin margins in the Senate and incredible political division, even over the smallest and most significant bills, 60 senators rarely are able to come together and agree to vote on a measure. Effectively, a bill is dead when the filibuster is put to use. The filibuster was created in 1805. President Thomas Jefferson's Vice President Aaron Burr, who you may know as killing Alexander Hamilton in a duel and being an inspiration for the Broadway play Hamilton, was presiding over the Senate. At the time, the Senate and House both required a simple majority to end debate and vote on a bill. But Aaron Burr didn't like this rule. He thought that the Senate should be able to debate for as long as it wants, and that a bill should not be voted on until all senators have heard enough. So the rule was eliminated, with no replacement rule, to enact a vote. It was not until 1837 when the filibuster was first exploited by senators to block a bill from being put to vote at all. In 1917, a rule was made so that a bill could be put to vote with two-thirds of the Senate agreeing. In 1975, cloture rules were changed again so that to start voting on a bill required a smaller number of three-fifths of the Senate to agree. The filibuster has been made easier to enact in past decades. Up until the 1970s, filibustering senators had to be on the floor of the Senate actually talking to delay a vote. This is known as the talking filibuster, what people usually imagine when they think of the filibuster. But there has never been a rule that the senators filibustering have to actually talk about the bill. 
So, throughout history, filibustering senators have talked about their favorite foods and how to make them, have read the entire phone book, and have sung songs. The longest filibuster ever was in 1957 when Senator Strom Thurmond, a Democrat senator from South Carolina, filibustered for 24 hours to prevent the Civil Rights Bill of 1957 from being put to a vote. He was so racist and wanted to filibuster so badly to prevent black people from being equal that he had an intern hold a bucket near the Senate stage so that he could take bathroom breaks and keep one foot on the floor at the same time. But in the 1970s, the silent filibuster was introduced. The rule change made it so that filibustering senators do not have to actually talk on the floor to delay a vote, but can send in an intent to filibuster, with 41 senators supporting. The reasoning behind this adjustment was so that the Senate could hear and vote on other bills that no senators wanted to filibuster. Today, the silent filibuster is the most common type of filibuster, because there is now no real effort required to filibuster, and because of the increasing political polarization, the use of the filibuster has skyrocketed. To communicate this fact, since 1917, there have been 2,000 filibusters. Half of these have occurred in the last 12 years. Alongside the recent voting rights bills blocked by the filibuster, the minority method has been used to prevent gun control bills, laws supporting big businesses, climate change reform, and an amendment ending the Electoral College. But most commonly, the filibuster has been used to protect the minority party in the Senate, and ironically not actual minorities in the United States. Like Senator Thurmond's 24-hour filibuster against the 1957 Civil Rights Act, senators have filibustered anti-lynching bills and other civil rights acts, arguably more than any other type of bill. So to recap the main arguments in favor of the filibuster, we've always had it. No, we haven't. It enables debate. No, it doesn't. It protects minorities, not the ones you're thinking of. It encourages bipartisanship, not even close. That was late night show host John Oliver explaining the filibuster perfectly. So why then do some think the filibuster should remain like it is? What are the options for changing the filibuster and making it easier for things to get done, for problems to be solved? To talk about this and more, I will be sitting down with Worcester civics teacher Mrs. Herman and her class. What is the argument for the filibuster? Hi, I'm Sophia, and one of the pros for the filibuster is that it promotes compromise in legislation. Without the filibuster, the Senate will become more like a smaller version of the House of Representatives where legislation reflects the priorities of the majority rather than the concerns of the minority. Hi, I'm Catherine, and it basically levels the playing field for the minority in the Senate, basically allowing them to have their own voice and allowing them to speak out more. Hi, I'm Sasha. There have been famous filibusters throughout history used to protect Americans and their rights. For example, in the 1930s, Senator Huey P. Long effectively used the filibuster against bills he thought favored the rich over the poor. Hi, I'm Ray. Um, one thing that the filibuster is good for is it supports public confidence. Um, the Senate was meant to reach a consensus rather than react and bend to the will of the majority, um, and it forces political parties to work together. What ideas have there been and do you have to edit the filibuster besides completely abolishing it? And what would the process of modifying or eliminating the filibuster entail? So 
would this come about in an amendment or another form? A common proposal to reform the filibuster is to reinstate the old requirement that the filibuster organizers should be physically present and speak for the entirety of the filibuster. This will help foster the debate that is a value that the filibuster was founded on. Yeah, and I think that's definitely um, supported by the fact that after the 1970s when the talking filibuster was eliminated and people could just send in an intent to filibuster, um, the use of the filibuster increased dramatically, um, so making initiating the filibuster just a little bit more uh, annoying and time-consuming might make um, people less willing to initiate it uh, all the time, like what is occurring in the Senate now. Do other countries and U.S. states have the filibuster or something like it? How does this affect their productivity compared to the Senate? I'm Mrs. Herman, and I teach civics for Max and several other students at Worcester. And the filibuster is a key piece to understanding civics in the United States because it represents the long-standing debate of what is the purpose of government? Is it to protect the rights of the minority by allowing one person to control the Senate? Or is it maintaining um, order and majority and setting equal power? There is not an equivalent in the majority of countries of a filibuster. Um, in fact, most state Senates don't even have the equivalent of a filibuster. There are things that slow processes down in other um, countries. For example, the parliamentary process in France can take upwards of 10 years if you follow the process as written. But generally speaking, the filibuster is a unique to the United States creation mm -hmm. with origins in ancient Rome. While Democrats are uh, the main party advocating for the abolition of the filibuster currently, do you think that it will come to affect them negatively in the future? Hi, I'm Cece, and the filibuster throughout history has become reformed and has served as a block to civil rights legislations and continues to block progressive bills from being passed. Hi, this is Patrick. I think it will just depend on the ideological changes in our country and in the political makeup of the different individual states because we have seen, especially during elections, swing states have changed. They haven't been always the same states year after year. And now for the headlines of the week. Football legend Tom Brady announces retirement. On Tuesday, after 22 dominant years of playing in the National Football League, 20 of which were with the New England Patriots and the last two with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the quarterback has left the game at the old age of 44 with an incredible impact. Brady holds the record for the most Super Bowl wins, 7, playoff games, 47, total wins, 243, passing yards, 84,520, and passing touchdowns, 624. The widely undisputed greatest football player of all time will be missed, even by those that he has beaten for the last 22 years. The Ukraine-Russia conflict drags on. Russia has escalated its military presence significantly around the former Soviet Union Republic over the past few months to currently about 100,000 soldiers and hundreds of armored vehicles and artillery in a perceived buildup for invasion. Ukrainian allies have responded by sending troops and equipment to the region while calling out Russia for its aggression. Tensions continue to rise and it remains to be seen if an attack will actually occur, something Russia has denied but many other nations do not believe. One year later, the Myanmar coup continues. It has been a little over a year since the Myanmar military overthrew the Southeast Asian country's democracy. 
Fighting has continued since then, and well over 700 innocent people wanting freedom have died. The violence has gotten so severe that experts are weighing if the circumstances of the conflict amount to a civil war. Criticism of Spotify and the Joe Rogan Experience continues. The Joe Rogan Experience, the most popular audio talk show, has never been a stranger to criticism for its frequent COVID-19 and vaccine misinformation. However, this disapproval has escalated over recent days. Last week, musicians Neil Young and Joni Mitchell asked Spotify to remove their music from the platform because Spotify will not remove Joe Rogan's show. Many other musicians have threatened to pull their music as well if the podcast is not taken down. Spotify is for sure weighing their options. Keep the Joe Rogan experience on and risk losing artists from Spotify or take the Joe Rogan experience down and lose millions of dollars in revenue. President Joe Biden weighs black woman nominee options for the Supreme Court vacancy. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Breyer, who has been on the Supreme Court since 1994, retired on January 26th. Biden announced that he will keep his campaign promise to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court to fill his spot. The nominee will be decided in the coming days. Thank you so much for listening, and as always, here's the quote of the week. Former United Kingdom Prime Minister Tony Blair once said, Sometimes it is better to lose and do the right thing than to win and do the wrong thing. A thought-provoking statement to think about when contemplating the rights and wrongs of the filibuster's use and existence. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, or want to be on the podcast or help with the production of it, feel free to contact me at max.porter at worcesternet.org or on Worcester's campus.